0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1174 in that Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 Uh, Today's message is called Together, and there is something just hardwired into us from the moment we are born. We are wired for connection. We are wired for other people. A baby literally can't survive on its own, and the baby knows that if it's upset, it just needs to cry and cry and cry and cry until someone comes and picks it up. The baby is looking for connection. When we get a little bit older, when we're toddlers and we fall and we skin our knee, we want a hug. We want connection. We are looking for comfort from mom or from dad. And as we get older, that doesn't go away. We deal with it differently, maybe, but we are wired to be connected to other people. And some of us are extroverts, and we're really wired for people, and some of us are more introverted, and we still, you know, we value our private time and our quiet time, but we can't get through this life alone. We can't do it by ourselves. And in the body of Christ, in the church, there are no solo Christians. It's just not possible. We are all built to be in community in one way or another. And so as we are going through the scripture, uh, as we are are going through Ephesians today, uh, as we're getting ready for our ministry expo, as we're getting ready to kick off a new ministry year, we are doing it from this heart that says, you know, we are called to be together. We are called to be a part of a church family. And your church family doesn't have to be Meadowbrook by any means. But as Meadowbrook Church, that is what we're looking for. That is what we are wanting to be doing and wanting to be growing. And my son, Matt, uh, had come to me a little while ago, and my kids are just at the age, they're just starting to get into video games, which is actually kind of fun as a dad. Uh, and so, they just play kid-friendly games, obviously. They're not doing the, the awful stuff, but uh, they're only allowed to play it on weekends. They're not allowed to play during the week, but on weekends they will play. And they will play together, primarily, and then sometimes I'll sit with them and I'll play with them a little bit, and it's a lot of fun because I grew up on video games, and so it becomes a bit of a bonding thing. But they usually end up playing mostly by themselves. But my son said to me, his birthday's coming up, and, and he's talking Christmas already, his kids sometimes are, uh, in September, and he said, Daddy, he's like, I know what I'm going to ask for. And I said, oh, what's that? And he goes, I'm going to ask for you to get your own video game controller. Because he has one and Kaylee has one, and when I play, we just share them around. But he's like, I'm going to pray that you get your own, and then you'll have your own. And we love Matt's heart. Matt is, I mean, that came from a very genuine place. He's always thinking about other people. And, and I go, okay, well, Matt, you don't You don't need to give me one of your birthday presents, right? You don't need to ask for a present to give to Daddy. We want to give you some presents on your birthday." And he's like, No, but Dad, then you'll have your own. And I said, Okay, but but we can just share, right? And he's like, No, but if you have your own, then we can all sit and play together the whole time, and you won't have to leave. And so what was a genuine, sincere, hey, Daddy, I want to bless you with this gift, was also a little bit of a, hey, Dad, you want to spend some more quality time with us while you're at it? Do you want to? He was looking for that connection piece. Like, I want to spend that time together with you. And so that we deal with it differently as we get older and life gets busier and life gets more stressful, but the call to togetherness doesn't change. It doesn't change no matter how old we get, no matter how long we walk with Jesus. We are called to be with other people, and and that is just the way we are. And that is true of everybody on earth. It is extra true for those of us who are Christians, who are part of the church. Let's take a look at our text. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 19. Consequently, Paul writes, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household So that's just one small section of chapter 2. If you glance back a few verses, if you look up to the the section that this is a part of, you'll have a heading, mine says here, uh, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. The context of what I just read is Paul is talking to people uh, who are coming together for the first time who haven't really been together a lot uh, in, in history up until this point. He's talking to the Jewish people and he's talking to Gentile people. Gentile just means anyone who's not Jewish. And so up until this point in human history, God has primarily been revealing himself as the God of Israel. Israel is his chosen people, and it's not that he's not looking after all people and overseeing all of creation, but he has been revealing himself primarily to Israel. The prophets are all Jewish, those who are writing the scriptures are Jewish, and God has chosen the Jewish people as his special family, as his chosen people, the apple of his eye. And so God has primarily been interacting and showing himself to Israel. In Jesus, that is all changing now because it was never God's plan to just be all about one particular group, one particular family, one particular ethnicity. When Jesus comes, Jesus doesn't just come for Israel. Jesus comes to save the whole world. And in Jesus, for the first time, anybody who wants to is invited to come and know this God. Everyone who wants to is invited into the family. Anyone who wants to is invited to come. And so there is some tension in the early church as that's happening. If you read through the book of Acts, you say one of the things they are wrestling through in the early church is, wow, we really thought that as Jesus came, Jesus was coming to Israel, and he was ministering to Israel, and he said specifically, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel, and yet all of these Gentiles are starting to get saved. They're starting to get filled with the Spirit. What do we do with all these non-Jewish people? Where It was just brand new. It was a whole new issue. They hadn't dealt with it ever before. And so as this new church is forming, there is this shift that is happening, and where there's a lot of tension uh, at the time between the Jewish people and the Christ followers, at the time that this is being written, the Jewish people are actually really persecuting the, the Church of Christ. They are really going after Christ followers. And where this tension is there, and Jews and Gentiles have never really been together before, in Jesus, there's a brand new type of family being formed. Jesus is tearing down the wall between Jew and Gentile. And Jesus is saying, for anyone who says Jesus is Lord, for anyone who would follow after him, you are all part of the same family now. It's not one or the other anymore. We are all invited. You are all God's people now. You are all the apple of his eye. You are all heirs of the promise. You are all entering into this together. It was for everybody. And so Paul is writing to a church that obviously is having a little bit of tension between the Jewish followers of Jesus and the Gentile followers of Jesus. There's a little bit that the Ephesian church is wrestling out just because these are two groups of people that have never really hung out before. They have never been a part of anything before. And so this is all just kind of brand new stuff. And Paul is speaking and encouraging unity in the name of Jesus in the midst of all of it. Verse 19, Consequently. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So it seems primarily speaking to the Gentile group. You're no longer foreigners to the Jewish people. You're no longer strangers to God. You are no longer on the outside looking in. You are all welcomed in now now you are considered god's people if you follow jesus now you are members of his household of his family if you follow jesus that there is a great banquet that has been called by the king of heaven and everybody has been invited and if you say yes to jesus you've got a place there at that great big banquet you are invited in to the family of god You are invited in to to His family. You are invited to call Him Father. You are invited to all of the promises that Scripture promises. You are invited to have a seat at the table. That is there for anyone. If you say yes to Jesus, you are welcomed in to His house. And again, just to give this a bit of a picture, what Paul is saying here for the people of that time is as new and would be as radical if someone were to say, I have heard from God, I have a revelation from God, Christians and Muslims, you're now one. Like that's how radical this is at the time. Like just groups that have not been together, groups that historically have not got along, that at times have really not got along with violence and with difficulties. Like that's how it would have hit the people of this time. Jews and Gentiles, you're one family now. That's how crazy that idea would have been to the people at the time. That in Jesus, there is no more difference, there is no more wall, there's no more two separate things, we're all one. In the family, we're all followers of Jesus together. There's not a distinction between Jew and Gentile in God's eyes. Wow. We are now part of that group that God said are my people, of all the people on the earth. Verse 20, this group, this new household, this new family in Jesus' name is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. There's this building metaphor going on, which we're going to come back to. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the main part. The apostles and the prophets were sharing the gospel. The apostles and the prophets were planting churches the apostles and the prophets were leading people to Jesus and starting these faith communities all over the world, but Jesus is the main part, right? They are building this foundation, but Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the one that is making all of this possible. It is all and entirely about him. The apostle Paul would write elsewhere in Romans 1:16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that's why I'm going to heaven. That's why I know the Lord. That's why I've been welcomed in to this family. The gospel is the only reason that those of us who are Gentiles are even here. The gospel is it. And so Paul's saying, I can't stay quiet about it. I can't pretend that it's something that I need to to hide or something that I just need to carry on with my life and pretend it's not the most important thing in my life. I'm not ashamed of that gospel because that's the gospel that saves my soul and saves the soul of everyone who believes, everyone who calls on Jesus. So I can't keep it quiet. I, I have to share this gospel, the gospel that Jesus came. And Jesus died, and Jesus rose again, and Jesus is coming again. The gospel that says if you put your hope and trust in Him, your sins are forgiven. That if you put your hope and trust in Him, just as He rose from the dead, you also will live into eternity for Him. The gospel that says that God so loved the world that He came down with us, He walked with us, He suffered with us, He died as we die. But unlike us, he rose so that we will rise as well with him. The gospel that saves our soul. The gospel that is offered to all. The gospel where Jesus says, come and trust me and follow me. Put your hope in me and you will be saved. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. But it calls us to a life that puts Jesus at the center. It calls us to a life That treats our lives as if Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our lives as well, not just the church. Our mission statement used to be to lead people into the Christ-centered life. Uh, And that's still a great phrase, even though we've moved on to our newer mission statement, which is loving Jesus by loving people. But they both speak to this idea that Jesus is the most important thing. That if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, we actually need to follow Jesus. Christian is not something we're born into. It's not something that even happens automatically because we pray to prayer. We are followers of Jesus if we follow Jesus. That whoever claims to live in him, the apostle wrote, must live as Jesus did. And no one does that perfectly. But if I'm going to call myself a Christian, it means that Christ is the center of my life. That I have declared him Lord of my life. And if he is Lord of my life, it means I'm not Lord of my life. It means I'm doing it his way and I'm following his word, and I'm following his example, and I'm seeking to be more like him, and I'm seeking to be changed to become more like him, and I'm seeking after him in everything, and I'm praying not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done in my life. And that affects everything if we do that. That affects the type of worker that we are at work, that affects the type of spouse we are, that affects the type of parent that we are. When Jesus is center, In our marriage, Jesus is center, and neither one of us follow Jesus perfectly, but there is a comfort there in knowing that whatever we are going to wrestle through, Jesus is going to be a big part of it, that prayer is going to be a part of it, that discernment is going to be a part of it, that we're not going to try and do it our own way, we're going to try and do it God's way, and we're going to see what the Scripture says, and seek to obey the Scripture, and teach our children the Scripture, and teach them to love like Jesus teaches us to love and teach them to sacrifice, and teach them to follow him. And, and it just takes over everything in a really good way, because if Jesus is Lord, and if Jesus died for me, and if Jesus rose for me, and if Jesus loves me, then he's worthy to be center of my life. He's worthy for me to bow my knee to him as Lord. He is worthy for me to organize my life around the fact that Jesus is central and Jesus is Lord. So this new family is being formed, and Jesus is the center of it. And Paul is saying, some of you are Jewish by your bloodline, some of you are Gentile by your bloodline. None of that matters anymore. The most important thing that matters is Jesus. And that's true of any church, because in any church, you're going to have different people from different backgrounds and differences of opinions. We're an incredibly diverse church in terms of our religious backgrounds. As you talk to people, like even on our staff, I'm a Pentecostal by background. I'm not a Mennonite Brethren. Sarah are, are, uh, Sarah's Baptist, Pastor Xavier is Brethren, Susan and Jeff are both Mennonite, some of you are Mennonite, we have a lot of Mennonite obviously, but we have Baptists, we have Reformed, we have Pentecostal and Charismatics, we have quite a range of different groups. And the point is, each of those groups have a bit of a different emphasis and we look at the Scriptures in a different way, but what unites us in Christ is so much greater than minor theological differences on, on little things here and there. And we're an Anabaptist church. We have an Anabaptist statement of faith. And if you're going to be here, we just say, hey, we just need you to be okay with the fact that we're an Anabaptist church. We have an Anabaptist statement of faith. If you're more reformed, you're allowed to be more reformed. You're not allowed to complain about the Anabaptist thing all the time. Right? And that's, I I mean that. Like, I'm very happy to have you here. We have lots of great people from different backgrounds. And it's great to have discussions and debate and talk about things from different ways. But I always say, just to be clear, I'm not a Reformed pastor. I'm not a Baptist pastor. I'm not a Catholic priest. Like I'm, I'm an Anabaptist pastor. We're teaching Anabaptist theology. We're an Anabaptist church. That's who we are. You don't have to buy into every single thing to attend here, but you just have to respect that. But everybody here comes from different places, and even within the Mennonite world, there's disagreements about different things. Mennonites disagree sometimes. Did you know that? (laughs) Didn't realize how much till I got here, but... But when Jesus is central, Right? When Jesus is central. Then you say, okay, we don't agree on this little piece, but the unifier here is so much bigger than than the difference of opinion. Someone asked me once, like, for what reason would you break fellowship with another Christian? Like, for what reason would you say we gotta split or we, we, we can't be? And I, I'm still wrestling through that, but I go, like, it would be a major, major thing. Like, it would be someone saying... Jesus never rose or Jesus wasn't Lord or like it would have to be a really, really big deal. It wouldn't be because we both come at the scriptures from a little bit of a different point and on this particular scripture we have different interpretation. Like it probably wouldn't be something like that. Because the fact that Jesus is Lord sets us apart from lots of people in this world, right? That we have geared our life and and reorganized our life towards the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Right? That, that makes us different. And there's not a lot of people in our community who would live their lives that way, in the way that we are seeking to do here. A lot of people call themselves Christian, but to actually say, no, I'm following Christ. He's Lord of my life. I'm living out of that. There's not that many who are actually doing that. And so to say that thing that is what sets us apart is also the same thing that binds us together. And in any given church, there's going to be disagreements about this or that, and should we do this ministry, or should we go that way, and this vision, and that decision. And there can be differences, and we're okay with differences. I actually think Meadowbrook does disagreement pretty well. We really learned how to do that and say, you know what, we can lovingly agree to disagree on some things, and no one's storming out the door, and no one's throwing a fit. Like, our annual meetings here are awesome. I know there have been bad ones in the past. I haven't been a part of a bad one. I've been part of bad ones at other churches where it gets really tense and people are storming out the door. But that's not what happens here. Because we say, you know what? Jesus is Lord. That's the most important thing. Jesus is Lord. is the most important thing. And everything else can fall in priority to the fact that what unites us is that we are all seeking to follow after Jesus here. Verse 21, in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together. And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. There's this picture that uh, we are stones. Peter would use this later in his epistle as well. That It's like we're individual stones that God is building into a communal building, a communal wall. A stone on its own can't do much, right? A stone on its own is not keeping people out of your house. But you get a bunch of stones together, and you can actually build something pretty spectacular. And so in Jesus, he is putting this building together that we are all a part of. Uh, Paul would use the picture as well later in 1 Corinthians about uh, the body, right? It's also like we're a body part, individual parts. So you're a thumb, or you're an eyeball, or you're an ear. That's not the whole of the body. But you join with all the other body parts. And when all the body parts come together, it's this incredible thing. And the body is incredibly diverse. There is not much in my body that is like the other parts of my body. My heart is really different than my toe, right? My ear is really different than my pancreas. Like, it's incredibly diverse what's going on in here. I don't understand it, even a little bit. That's why I'm not a doctor. But every part is crucial, right? When one body part isn't working, even if it is your toe. Have you ever broken your toe? I broke my toe once. The whole body gets affected by that. It's not life or death, but man, do you think about that toe a lot? Does it affect your attitude? Does it affect your thinking? Like when one part isn't working, like then then we're sick or we're hurting, then we go to the doctor, then we need we need help. All the body parts need to come together. Every stone in the wall is important, every single one of them. And what's a bit tricky in in Western Christianity, in North American, Christianity is that for a lot of us, Christianity really does just become a spectator thing. Where we show up on Sundays, and, and we can sing along, we can cheer along, we can agree with everything, but we're not actually engaging with other Christians. We're not actually engaging in a community. We're not serving, we're not helping. We're okay to let people serve us. The worship team comes, they serve us with their gifts, we don't serve back. And you just can't do Following Jesus that way. You just can't. It's been said over and over Christianity is not a spectator sport. Following Jesus is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. It's not something where we can sit on the sidelines. It's something where we jump in. And so in our churches, all churches, every pastor would be saying this, we want people connected to other Christians. We want people serving, not just sitting and being served passively, but actually serving as well and helping out. And just as in the morning like this, the worship team serves us with their gifts, we bring our own gifts to the table, whatever that may be, and we can serve as well in other ways. Now if you're new here at Meadowbrook, we actually say, uh, you know what, if you're here and you're just checking us out, that's awesome. And honestly, for six months, maybe even up to a year, uh, we actually want you just to sit for a little while. We want you to just observe. Uh, And that gives you a chance to get to know us, that gets us a chance to get to know you, that gets you a sense to figure out, am I really plugging in here, is this going to be my church? It gives you a chance to to see where the different ministries are, and so it's a good thing. And so if you're newer here, this isn't for you. We're saying, hey, by all means, take some time, check us out, Uh, jump into a group if you want to, jump into a Bible study or whatever, absolutely, but don't worry about serving just yet, just be our guest for a little while, make sure you want to call this home, and then from there, Uh, We can figure out what you want to do, what you want to do and and where we could use you. Um, But beyond that, like if Meadowbrook is home, then it's time to connect if you're not connected yet. It's time to get involved in the community. It's time to connect with other Christians beyond just a Sunday morning. We have a a group, a booth that we'll see at the expo later, and one of the signs on it says, uh, Christianity isn't best experienced in rows. Right? And so this part is important. It's important that we worship together. We sit under teaching together and, and we're learning together and growing together. That's all important. But it's not the, the best way to meet other people. It's not the best way to go deeper with other people. It's not the best way to serve other people because we're just sitting. Like, this is a good start. But then we want to go beyond that and say, okay, now where can I actually get to know other believers? Because as we go through this life, there's going to be times where you need encouragement and other believers are great to do that. There's going to be times where we need to be spurred on and then pushed along and we need each other to do that. There may be times where we're going in a bad direction and we need to get pulled in a little bit or are encouraged to get back on track. Uh, there may be times where we're going through a hard time and we disappear for a little while and we need brothers and sisters to come and say, hey, come on back. Like we, we need each other. You don't have all the gifts you need to walk with Jesus. You've got some of them. But you need the gifts that other people have to help you walk with Jesus in your walk. And this is the hard part, again, just in the Western North American culture where we're such fans of church hopping, where we just go from church to church, and we don't ever get a chance to put our roots anywhere. And if we don't get a chance to put our roots anymore, the fruit can't grow. The fruit can't grow until at some point we stop and say, you know what, I'm going to actually plug in somewhere for a little while. And I'm actually going to connect, and I'm actually going to serve, and I'm actually going to go deeper because I can't walk with Jesus all by myself. i got to walk with Jesus with others. i got to do this in community. And when we don't do that, again, it's like body parts that just aren't working, right? Or, or a wall that has holes in it because all the stones aren't stepping up and getting into place. And so for Meadowbrook to be the best that it can be, we want to be connected. And we want to be serving. And we want to be helping. And we have a large number of people who do that. And again, if you're newer here, this isn't for you. But if you've been here for a while, time to get out of spectator mode. Time to come really walk with Jesus with us. Time to jump in. Time to say, I'm all in. Not just with Jesus, but I'm all in with a community of faith. And your community of faith doesn't need to be Meadowbrook by any means. Anywhere that's preaching the gospel and preaching the word of God and is seeking after the Lord is a great community to be plugged into. But if you're here, we're saying, all right, let's go. It's time to jump in. And one of the best ways you can do that is what we call life groups. And there's an opportunity, you can sign up for these today at the expo afterwards. But life groups are groups that meet typically once a week, midweek, not every week necessarily, but uh, they meet and they are part of different uh, areas. There's some in Leamington, there's some in Kingsville and different places. Some are for everybody. There's one for men only. There's a group for women only, if you're looking for that. Uh, And Some of them are based around study and discussion, and they're just ways, they're the best way to really get to meet people. They're the best way to really get to connect. Sunday mornings is great, but it's a crowd, and it's busy, and our connections are quick. It's a great start, but we're wanting to go deeper than just that, and so we encourage, we'd love everybody to be in a life group, and it's a way just to go deeper in growing in the Lord, but you're not just growing in the Lord, you're growing in the Lord with other people. You're growing in relationship as well, because we can't walk with Jesus by ourselves. Verse twenty-two, and in Him you two are being built together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Uh, The picture is really of the temple, the Old Testament temple, and it was a big, huge, ornate, beautiful building, and it was where the presence of God dwelt. The presence of God dwelled in the holy of holies, and you couldn't just walk into it. There were curtains, and there were areas. And so it was a a very specific building that God had told them exactly how to make it. And that was where God's glory dwelled. And when Jesus died, that curtain tore because God was not going to be confined there. His spirit was going to come upon all people. His presence was going to be everywhere. But that's the picture here is that you as the people of God, you're all like stones. And you're being built into this building where God's going to dwell. That the church is going to be a place where God's Spirit is. Whenever believers gather together, a Spirit of God is going to be there. And I mean, He's in each of us as an individual for sure. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has made His home in you. But man, when we get together, when Christians get together, the Spirit moves in a way that He can't move when it's just me by myself. I can certainly encounter God on my own. When I'm with my Bible or I'm having a worship time or a prayer time, absolutely I can do that and we should be doing that. But when we get together, the Spirit just is magnified, magnified, magnified. Because it's not just the Holy Spirit in me, it's the Holy Spirit in me joining with the Holy Spirit in you and in you and in you and in you. And And the church comes together and Jesus is central and the Spirit moves in a way that is so powerful. You are all stones in this building of Meadowbrook Church which is a place where God's Spirit wants to move. This is a place where God's Spirit wants to move in us, making us more like Jesus, teaching us, challenging us, encouraging us. The Spirit wants to move into this community with the Gospel to see people come to Jesus. As people are coming to Jesus, we need to have a place for them. We need to figure out what we're going to do with them. As people start to come to know Him more and more, But we are all part of this together the holy spirit in me i can have a great time with god but it's not enough in this walk with jesus because we are all stones in this building where god's presence dwells our core values here at meadowbrook church we have three core values gathering together learning together serving together and that word together was so intentional when as a leadership we were wrestling through how exactly do you word it and what's really important to us Uh, Because you could say, you know, we value learning, and we do, but I can also learn by myself, and I should. Uh, I can serve by myself, and then maybe I should do that too. But what we really value as a church is that we do these things together, that gathering together is important. The Bible says don't give up meeting together, as some have been doing. But no, you come together, you encourage one another. Gathering together is important. And I can learn by myself, but I learn best when I'm combining what I'm learning with what you're learning. It's why I love life groups. I'm a leader of a life group. I've typically written the sermon series that the life group curriculum is based on. I just say that to say I know what it's about because I wrote it. But every time I'm with my group, I learn so much. It's so exciting to hear someone in my group say something and to go, I have never thought of that. Wow, that's powerful. Wow, what an amazing insight that person just brought. We value learning together. We can learn on our own. We value learning together, and we value serving together, that I just don't go out by myself and use my gifts, but that we together serve together. We serve each other, and we don't just sit and be served, but we serve each other, and so we want to be, as a church, a place where you are connecting, where you are growing, where you are learning, and where you are serving, and if that's not you right now, today's a great day, because it's Ministry Expo Day, and everything we're doing as a church is laid out there in the gym, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute. But I found this. This was just a church's uh, mission statement. I was looking for uh, something else and I stumbled across this church. So this was a Baptist church in the state somewhere. But their mission statement was ordinary people following Jesus together. I go, oh, I kind of dig that. Ordinary people, right? We're not spectacular at Meadowbrook Church. We are sinners like anyone else. We are struggling like anyone else. We have the same issues as anyone else. But Uh, We are actively and in a very intentional way following Jesus. And we would love you to come on that journey with us. Come, if you're ordinary, that's the criteria. Just, I'm not saying we're stealing this mission statement. I'm just saying... There is something about that that just rings really true to me. That just, yeah, we're just ordinary people going after Jesus. Come along on the journey with us. And I'll make mistakes and you'll make mistakes, and and as church we'll make mistakes probably, and we'll figure it out and we'll recover and we'll adjust and we'll keep going as we follow after Jesus together. So if we're gonna say, I am a follower of Jesus, the Apostle John says, if you call yourself a Christ follower, then you actually have to live like Jesus did. You actually have to follow. Christ. If you're going to claim that you live in him, you must live as he did. No one does it perfectly, but to say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm actually going to do it. And part of actually doing it is I'm going to do it with the people of God. I'm going to do it with a family somewhere. I'm going to plug into a community and I'm going to be a part of that growing together. That's what following Jesus is all about. We can't do it on our own. If you're following Jesus by yourself, you are doing it wrong. You are doing it unbiblically. We are called to community together. As we get ready to wrap up, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. If you have any questions about the message or anything going on, I'd be happy to answer those questions with you. And as we get ready to close in just a minute, it is Ministry Expo Day, so we have a great big lunch coming in a few minutes. And that was the smell you smelled when you came into the church this morning. Uh, And so we have had a kitchen team. That's how they serve. That's how they use their gifts and how they serve others in the church. They were here yesterday and working hard, and people were here setting up the tables, and we have ministry leaders who have been setting up booths. So when you go into the gym, uh, you're going to see all these tables set up for you to sit and eat at, and then all around the gym, there's a bunch of booths that each of the different ministries of the church have put up. And there are different ways that you can connect. There's different ways that you can serve. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's very exciting. There'll be leaders at the different booths. And here's how we've set it up this year. Uh, When we go, when we get to the gym, you'll see two long tables that will have all the food on it. They're just buffet style, so we'll say grace before we go. So just help yourself as soon as you get down there. Don't wait for anything. Just get in line. We can do a line around each side of the table. We can have four different lines going, so it should be pretty quick. Here's the deal with dessert, though. There are dessert uh, plates on your tables that you'll be eating at. The desserts are spread around the gym at the booths that the different people have set up. So if you want dessert, you're going to have to go for a walk this morning. And we did that very specifically for one reason. We wanted to make sure that you just had a chance to walk around and see what was going on, even if you're already connected, uh, even if you're already serving and you don't really feel like you want it, that's fine. Like we're, we're not pushing signups this year. Uh, you can sign up for things if you like, but what we really wanted to push this year was just the connection piece. Just go and see what God is doing in your church in all these different ways. So as you wander around looking at the different desserts, you'll see what the deacons are up to and you'll see what the missions team is up to and you'll see what the AV team is up to. You don't have to sign up for those things you can if you want but just go see what they're up to ask some questions and here's another thing I'd love for you guys to do today as you're connecting at the different booths and just just seeing what's going on take a minute just to say thanks to the different people who are serving in different ways say thanks to the deacons say thanks to the decor team and, and there's just so many who do so much and it's just a great opportunity for you who are served by other ministries to also say hey I appreciate your serving Thank you for serving the rest of us as you decorate for the holiday or as you work in the cafe and serve us coffee or as you take care of our kids every single Sunday. It's a good day to say thanks. And so as we're looking for dessert, we really just want you to connect. If you're looking for a place to serve, there's lots of places you can ask about and places you can sign up for. And and again, that's not the pressure today as much as we just wanted you to connect, see what was going on there, say thanks if you can and get a real sense of what God's doing at your church. Would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to close?